0: spoke about um uh how amazing God is that God is worthy of all glory and honor he closed off our series on revelation wisdom and this week we're starting our series called classic Christmas uh Roger put this slide up he said God is not like us and then he uh he does, every time he gets up to speak, he tells a joke. So I'm going to kick off today. It's Christmas mood. I'm going to kick off with a joke. It's incredibly funny. But it's also like significantly linked into the main point for today. We also have the kids in the service today. So I'm going to try um, to address sort of all uh, audiences. But here, here's a, it's just a joke. Okay, kids, like this is just a joke, right? This is not how God works. But there was this competition, Okay, um, and so God met up. God, right? Met up with three of the world's best scientists, our our top scientific minds of this age. They were, they were. Um, you know, um, it's the future, right? And so it's not not today. It's in somewhere in the future. Uh, this joke takes place. And and mankind has developed amazingly. There's there's one scientist who's an expert in artificial intelligence. There's another one in DNA sequencing. There's another one who's who's an expert in medicine. And they all meet up with God. And they say, hey, let's have a competition. We're going to try to replicate the Bible miracles. The miracles that you see in the Bible, science can do that so let's make a competition the epic competition all the world will see it on youtube right scientists versus god and let's see if we can pick something that is so hard to do and so they decided that a real test of mankind would be can we make man out of dirt and so god god agrees right and everybody uh, he goes okay great well let's have this competition you know I think I can make man out of dirt, says God. And, and the scientists think they can make man out of dirt, right? Okay, great. Uh, give everybody 10 years to prepare, right? The scientists do all kinds of research. They do tests. They collaborate. They work really hard. And finally, the day comes with the big competition is there. The stage is set, and the world is watching, and so is all of heaven. This is going to be mankind's crowning glory. As they walk up on stage, God and the three scientists... Um, they prepare their areas because it's going to be broadcast live and the announce the announcer goes let us begin this monumental competition the scientists are pumped they get all their material ready right um, they've calculated it they've tested it they can't wait to show the world how far mankind has come but just as they begin as they get all of the things ready like are we ready? Three, two, one. And God turns around. And just as they get everything set, God says, hey, get your own dirt. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny because everything comes from God. <laughs> right. Ah. Right. Get your own dirt. Ah. Okay. It's Okay. Just a joke, just a joke. Okay, just a joke. But today we begin our Christmas celebration and our our, our theme is called Classic Christmas because we will be looking at some of the reasons why Christmas is an absolute classic. Why it is good for all time. You know, when we think of Christmas classics, um, maybe we're thinking of, you know, when we think of classics, we're thinking of classic movies or, or maybe classic songs. That, but this is even better. This is about God's story, God's effect uh, that we celebrate in Christmas. And, and it's kind of a little bit like the joke. Because, you know, here in Australia, you'll see Christmas celebrated everywhere. Right, And you'll very likely, if you're not paying attention, you'll very likely get the message that the things that make Christmas classic are the decorations, the food, the songs, the shopping. Or or maybe what makes Christmas an absolute classic that, that children of all ages and families of all ages can look forward to is that it is a holiday and you're not working, sun is out, things are good. And you might even get the impression that we invented Christmas. Oh, it's so cool. Came up with Santa Claus, jingle bells. And it's like we, um, we made it. But much like the joke, I think what has happened is we have taken God's raw materials. And just put bells and whistles on top of it. So let's not get distracted by the bells and whistles of the Christmas story. And we're going to spend this month delving into the kind of the dirt. The what actually is the reason for celebration? What what is the raw material that we're actually working with at the moment for for Christmas, for all of life, for why Christmas? We sing joy to the whole world. The Lord has come. Why? Why do we do that? And so that's why we've called it classic Christmas. We're going to look at the classic elements of Christmas, but not what you would think. Right? Not, not oh, classic Christmas turkey or I don't know, classic Christmas mistletoe, whatever it is. The, the real classic Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the world-changing classic. So... Let's read some scripture. Uh, Matthew 1, 8. I, I've been reading the book of Matthew. Next year we go into an in-depth look at the book of Matthew. And so um, at the beginning of our Christmas series, I think it's very helpful to read actual scripture and to see what God says about the birth of Jesus. This is right at the beginning of Matthew. If you, It's the beginning of the New Testament for the kids over there. If you've got Bibles on your phones or your devices or whatever it is, right, um, you'll note that the book of Matthew actually starts with a genealogy. That's there to show you we are, it's not like long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's It's not like that, right? It's Starting the story by saying this person, this person, this person, this person, so that in the time that it was written, people could actually go, Oh, this, I know this person. His mother, his father, this, and his father, this. And you could trace it back, all right? So it begins with the genealogy, and then you get to Matthew um, 18, and immediately it talks about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, and now it's going to tell you. Actual things that happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just kind of righteous man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Because this was not going to be his his kid. She's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Let's just, you know, you go your way. I'll go my way. We're all good. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And so now you see... um, Uh, the the Hebraic chiastic uh, structure, right? Call His name Jesus, and it ends with, for His name is called Jesus. Okay. He will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah 8. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name. And I want you to focus on this word, because this word is what we're going to look at today. You call His name, Emmanuel, which means, and the Bible actually goes and explains that Hebrew word, im with anu, us, el, God, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So in there, you begin this thing with Jesus, you end with Jesus, and right in the middle is Emmanuel, basically saying that Jesus is God with us, all right? So if you're taking notes, God with us is going to be the the main word that we're going to look at today. Why Christmas is an absolute classic. We... Um, and every week uh, through December, we're going to begin with the gift of. And so instead of presents, uh, we are going to talk about the gift of presents. S-E-N-C-E, right? The first real big classic gift that God gives us over Christmas is actually the gift of His very presence. All right? Over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at the gift of faith, hope, and love. And then we're going to go with um, the gift of God on Christmas Day. Right? Um, now, I, I, I know you're thinking, oh my goodness, how nice it is. You know, God is love. He comes to earth. He's a really cute baby. Oh my goodness, this is so cute. Ah! Yeah, it's like Baby Yoda or whatever it is. Ah! He's here. He's so amazing. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, this whole sermon is gonna be about Baby Jesus, who's come here on Earth, looking absolutely amazing over there in a you know in a manger with a star. And how 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 could this possibly be uh, life changing? Um, You know, just for clarity, by the way, because I have this responsibility inside to be very, very accurate. God has always been with us, all right? Even before Jesus came, God, in Genesis, God was walking with mankind. His plan, His initial plan was to always be in fellowship with us. And then we decided to not believe God, doubt Him. We sinned, we rebelled against God, right? And then we... Sin destroys relationships, and we've talked about that. But yet, God, through the whole Old Testament, remained with us. We weren't cast aside. He would save us with a Noah's Ark. He would, he would send prophets in. He would speak to us. God would be with Moses. He would send down. So God was, at some level, always kind of still with us. And, and what we know of the Bible is God is, remains with us even after Jesus rises from the dead right we get all the way through to the book of revelation and god's master plan which roger read last week was that he would build a new jerusalem and a new world where he with a dwelling place of god would would be with man and so at, at some technical level god has always um been with us but emmanuel God with us is so significant. Christmas is so si- significant because God with us now, God Himself, all of who He is, actually enters our real world. It takes place in our history. It happens in our arena. The book of Hebrews puts it like this, which I absolutely love. All right, The book of Hebrews explains that kind of tension long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets you know like God's always been with us always communicating with us always kind of around but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world for he is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power oh my goodness like the bible's not mincing words here this is not some slightly understated claim these are pretty big claims And then after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so what you get is a picture of Jesus being the fullness of God. He is the radiance of the very glory of God that that Roger was explaining last week, that there is no comparison. Who can compare? To God's glory. Yet this verse says that the very exact imprint, the very glory and radiance of God was in Jesus. That's why Christmas was so significant. That's why it's, um, it actually rocked us. So I'm sure you've heard this before, right? Um, so I... I don't want to go through all the essentials of the Christmas story. Uh, right up until this point, maybe I have not said anything that would be sort of mind-blowing. So I'm only going to, for December, in December, we're only going to look at the things that I think, or not just I think, but um, are underlined that are really mind-blowingly transformative. And we're going to begin with actually God with us in God's presence. What makes this an absolute classic is that when Jesus is born and he has the full radiance of God and he's the exact imprint of God's nature, we discover what kind of God God is. You get to look and you get to see, oh, what kind of God would be? If God is with us, okay, great, God is with us. You know, there's some gods, you don't want them to be with us. Because it means suddenly we have to like pay more tribute. Maybe we have to like whatever like our lives are worse off. Like what kind of God would be born? And more significantly what would God with us look like? What would that look like? And with the advent of Jesus, with the coming of Jesus Christ we all got a, a real life face to face look at that. Now Let's be realistic, there were other messiahs, kings and gods, claiming to be the one before Jesus showed up, right? So when Jesus shows up and he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, when he says those things, there are other people who have said that before. But do you know when they showcased themselves, what kind of a Messiah and a King and a God existed in that world in that time? Do you know what they showcased? They showcased their power. They showcased how they could rule nations with force. They, they demanded to be worshipped. There were messiahs out there. Like, there's one guy, right, uh, came a little bit later, but there's one guy, he led the second Jewish-Roman revolt and got defeated, right? But he was like, his followers, they had to show their commitment by cutting off a finger. Yeah, yeah, that was the kind of messiah he was, right? He's like, <laughs> I'm doubtful if you're serious about following me, so show me your allegiance with your finger, and he just had a collection of fingers. Yeah, 200,000 was his army. So that's a big, I don't know where he keeps it. Okay. Um, but, but this was the environment of kings, gods, messiahs at the time. All right. What is so mind-blowingly crazy about this God with us is that he showcases that God is not what we think. That God was not what man would do if man were God, and we get some early clues. We get some early clues that Jesus would be different, right? We would God if God was with us. What would he be, what would he be like? And we get some early clues. You know, he's born in the middle of nowhere, in a in a manger. He's born to a non royal family, right? These guys were not the ruling. People. He uh, was an outcast, somewhat due to the nature of the pregnancy. Right? Conceived out of wedlock, teenage mum. Right? He would grow up working class. Even the people who would greet him the people who would come and see this amazing king who is the full radiance of God's glory, who is the, in himself the fullness of everything, the air of our whole... The, the people who would, who would come as his audience initially would be shepherds out in the field or strangers seeking God from afar. The way to think of these magi or these wise men is... They weren't his people. His own people would not recognize who he is. Yet, those from afar who were looking, magi, wise men, whatever, would be the ones to meet him. And then, when Jesus arrives... He makes it very clear who He has come for and who He's going to spend His time with. Please listen to this very, very carefully. Because Jesus would, when He came on this earth and say, I'm God with you. Let me reflect who God is. He would choose carefully who he would be with. He would choose. There's a, there's a story in, in, in Luke. Early on in Jesus' life, he, he gets up at church service in his uh, hometown where he grew up in Nazareth. And he's, he basically gets in there and he's called to read a passage. So he gets up and he reads this passage. At the end of the passage, he basically stands there and goes, Yup, it's talking about me. And so this is the passage, all right? In Luke 4, 16, 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as is custom, so Jesus regularly went to church. He went to the synagogue on Sabbath day. Great. Thank you all for being at church on sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet isaiah was given to him so he unrolled it he looked look look, isaiah okay great isaiah isaiah and he found the place where it was written and so now jesus is like okay you know you're all here to hear the word of the lord this is the word of the lord he finds the place in isaiah and he says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me I'm specially chosen to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And Everyone's like looking, oh my goodness, what did this guy do? And just when everybody's looking at him, he goes, yep, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing because I'm here. Like, ta-da! And oh my goodness, like that, that, that passage ends with them kicking Jesus out, by the way. <laughs> all right. Yet, what most people there didn't realize, but we realize is Jesus ended up fulfilling that promise that the poor would be who he would serve and look after. And the prisoners, those in captive would be set free. He would heal those who are blind, spiritually blind, naturally blind. And the revolution that he kicked off would overturn even the government which the previous messiahs, claimed messiahs, tried to do by force, couldn't do. Jesus would do. He would change our very world today. What is mind blowing about God with us is not that God would grace us with his presence. What God would like not show up to be with his creation? Okay, oh, that's fine. I think that's kind of normal. What's what's mind-blowing is that when God showed up as the creator, as the Messiah, as the king, the fullness of all his glory, of he is, oh my goodness, I am God. He would reveal what he would look like. And it would be humble. And his with us would mean with the least of us. His with us would mean not just the people who deserved it, who are rich, who are educated, who are in power, who don't have any sin in their life. His with us would literally mean with the very least of us. And he would reveal what Scripture says, he would reveal the very character of God. And that's why we say God is love. That's why we say things like, if you look at God through Jesus, you see God so loved this world. You know, uh, over Christmas, um, you're going to hear a lot about fellowship, catch-ups, and fun over Christmas. Uh, Let me tell you how Jesus spent his time. Who he ate with. Who he fellowshiped with. Right? If he was really God with us, then let's look at some of the with that he's spending his with time with. All right? Let's look at that. Because he would eat with sinners, tax collectors, who maybe they are rich, but they were poor in spirit. He would eat with Hang with prostitutes, outcasts, the Samaritan women at the well, lepers who are diseased and outcast by society. He would hang with the blind, the poor, the hungry, the abused, the neglected. And in his hanging with them, in his being with them, eating with them, ministering to them, walking with them, he would be ridiculed. He would be looked down upon. Jesus would be scolded and advised against. Hey, you know, Jesus, do you realize you are God with us? Please, 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 please don't hang with them. Come over here. This is the us you should be hanging with. Where this this group here, I've got this great room set up. These guys studied the Bible for ages. They're like so cool, they've showered. you know these guys haven't showered. You're, you're God, you're God with us. Come on, hang with us." But God would say, "No, I'm God with you. This is what God would do with his with time. This would reveal. Who our God is. This creator of the world that we live in. It gives us a glimpse. Actually, I was blown away preparing for this message. I was actually, really, it took me so long to prep this. Because every time I read this and every time I prep for it, I'm broken. Because the God, the very creator of this world would have this heart. And then for us to become people who are so self-centered, running around in a world of materialism and consumerism, I, I, I tell you, it, it just reflects to me how broken our world is and how much we're in need of a Savior. And if you don't think we have done anything wrong, oh my goodness. You need to see an image of God to get a picture of how far we have fallen. As a people who have gotten things... Only because God has given us breath. And then choosing to do with our things. Other things that just benefit other people. Who have already got lots of other things. God would show himself to be very, very different. To that. Now. Now. Imagine, if you would, with me. So let's do an imagination exercise. Just imagine for a moment because God came down He's with us, right? This is Jesus. So let's, let's do a little bit of an exercise, okay? Right? I'm sure you can do this, right? Kids, uh, close your eyes and you can like imagine with me. Imagine that your hands are Jesus' hands and your feet are At Jesus' feet. Because this story of Jesus Christ who comes, he's born, he lives here on earth. It is not just the nice things that Jesus would like to do. This is not the Instagram photograph that he's going to take for two minutes and then go off and do his own life. His very hands, his very feet. Just like your very hands and your very feet. Would be like, hey, what am I doing today? I'm going to go see some lepers. I'm going to... We're, gonna, oh, we're going to pray for the le- lepers. Oh hey, what, what, what are we going to do today? Oh, yeah, you know what? Today we are going to... and then you would name some poor, outcast, needy person, and you would spend the day with them. You'd pray for the sick, you'd feed the poor, right? That's what Jesus did with his hands. And he literally fulfilled the prophecy that he read about himself and that we now know has come full circle. Wow. I mean, we know what it's like. We've got things to do. We've got people to be with. I get it. Our entertainment schedule is pretty, pretty, pretty full. I'm sure Jesus was pretty full. He had to make decisions, right? Decisions. If you're on the hands, you're on the feet. You have to make decisions. Hey, who am I going to be with? And Jesus would choose, and his choices would reflect the priorities of God Himself, or God Himself. And so now, what is amazing with this? Is that God with us would literally be, would mean that even the most outcast, the most alone, the most abused, the lonely, the one who who can't have any hope in life, would have by his or her side, the very God who created them. God himself. Who would stoop down almost like to a baby in a manger kind of thing? To walk with us. The very least of us. I just wanna I wanna sit here for just a little while, if I could. That means for every person who is alone in the world, everyone who's cast aside, poor, neglected, that means for a, a primary school kid, if you're here. And maybe nobody believes you or you're just having a rough life. And you're really scared of some stuff. And when you tell your mom and dad or your brother and sister how scared you are, they think you're just a little kid. You know, why? why? Grow up. That means for you, God is there with you. That means even when you're young, you're in high school and like, oh my goodness, life is harsh. And your friends don't like you or the world is all wrong. Your family, something's gone wrong. That you can still have access to God because God would take the time to engage with you, to be with you. That will go all the way through to your middle-aged or your older and your kids don't call you anymore. They're so busy or I don't know. Whatever else is happening in your life however much struggle you have, why God with us is so classic, why it is so transformative actually is that God himself would choose to spend his time and be with and to make a difference with the very least of us, the ones of us who are going through the very toughest of times. Why do you think That most of the world's largest aid organizations have as their roots, Jesus Christ, who was born on Christmas Day. Why is that? It's because God's people would literally take that step of saying, I want to be Jesus' hands and feet. Where he walked, I want to walk. What he does, I want to do. And so not only would Jesus himself turn that tide for looking after the poor, his people would follow after. So God with us, it was not just a cursory check-in. It was all in. It was total. He checked into earth, lived and died with us. He gave us the gift of His presence. What are our responses to something like that? What can... Like, that's God. Like, we can can argue back and forth. Even if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here today. But we can argue about Jesus. Historians... Recognize that Jesus was here. There, there are countries that divide their time between A.D. and B.C. that have, don't even believe in Jesus. Yet they divide their time by Jesus. That's how by Jesus. That's how effect, uh, impactful the advent of Jesus has been in our world history. Right. One thing we can't argue about is actually the kind of person Jesus was. He literally spent his time helping the poor. That's what he did. He actually died on the cross. Right? That's why so many people, they love Jesus, they just don't like the church. So you can't dispute that Jesus with his time literally spent it with the poor and the needy. He actually reflected God and God's priorities. So what does that mean for us who believe he's the son of God? What does it mean for us who read Hebrews and go, oh yeah, this is the exact imprint, the exact Copy the photocopy of who God is. What's that? What does it mean? Well, one, two things. So I'm going to end with these two things. There are two responses that we need to have. One is a recognition we are lost. Okay, especially in a room like this. This could be you. This be, Christmas may not even be a good time for you. Right now, you might be going through some of the biggest pains and struggles. And, you know, Jesus, he didn't just, it's not the monetarily poor. that were the only poor people around, okay? They were rich young rulers, tax collectors, governors. They were all life in a mess. Jesus came for them too. So maybe you're sitting here and one response is, oh my goodness, I'm lost. See, this Christmas present that Jesus gives us is um. You know, like, I don't know. Sometimes you can get presents. Um, sometimes you can get presents. It's very challenging to receive the present. Because you got a present from your mom, and it's a book on dieting. <laughs> We're like, ah, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All these <laughs> kale recipes. <laughs> you know, or, 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 or you're really, really in debt. Right? And over Christmas, somebody or you know, is so generous and, and, and gives you money, and you, you're very grateful. But in receiving it, you kind of acknowledge, "Oh my goodness, I need help." That's why I'm so grateful for the gift that you've given me. Uh, the gift of Christmas is a little bit like that gift. Okay, because in receiving, I love what John Piper says. He puts it this way. Um, There has never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Never, never. This kind of gift, it's like worse than getting a diet book for Christmas. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That, that means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and a good life. You just, you can't. So the, one response is when, G, when we say Jesus came to seek and save the lost, one response is, oh my goodness, I am the lost. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and not just helping the well people in life. Right? That surely has to be one of our responses. But I think the second and the more significant one, the one that I want us to grapple and contend with as we kick off this Christmas season, is we then have to consider who we are with. We are God's people. Who was the with that Jesus was with? And are we with... Those kinds of people. Matthew 5, 6 to 48 would say it like this. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, that means if you, oh my goodness, if you only hang with people who like you and you enjoy their company and you're going to invite all these friends to your party, but they're all your good mates and they're good your good friends, uh, what more are you doing than, uh, than other people? Do not even the Gentiles or everybody else, I guess, do the same? Therefore, you must be, that word perfect, helios means complete. Therefore, you must be complete as your heavenly Father is complete. That means don't leave out. Something, complete it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from the Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've got their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret, and that your Father, who is in secret, will reward you too. And it goes on from that to the Lord's Prayer. That's where this passage comes from. Now, I contemplated for a while, actually naming all the great things FJA does and and all the stories we're hearing. Oh my goodness, there are some amazing stories that churches, including our church, including some people that I know here, amazing stories that we do uh, to to transform this world and help out those who are needing. But I opted against that because just in case we all sit here and then we ourselves don't do anything or we go, oh yeah, I'm part of an amazing church that does all these things. I'd rather end with this question. In secret, what are you doing? So you only need to answer that question for yourself. Right? It's in secret. You're a follower of God. We're a household of faith. Surely, we, this Christmas, we are going to look for the lost some part of sitting down with our family, some part of us, some part of our lives, it's going to reflect Jesus, God with us. Whereas people, it's fine. We don't need to talk about it. But all of us need to internally, in secret, know what that is, right? That I'm going to reflect God. So we're going to look for the loss. If, if you're sitting here and you're going, no, 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 I don't know how. Oh, is there a program that FG, oh my goodness, we've got stacks of programs. We've got stacks of ministries, heaps of people are doing community stuff. You've got the temple tents, you have got the hamper stuff. But even if you can't find something, make a way. Come up with it. Maybe it's a friend that is in school right, over this holiday, and you know they're going through a rough time with their parents. Invite them over for a play date. Maybe they have no friends. What does that look like for you with your with time as we wind down over Christmas? Um, can we give the gift of presents? Uh, this Christmas, one of the most powerful things about the Christmas message is that God was with us. And he chose that with, not just to be with his own people, with his best mates that have been worshipping for ages. He spent it with the people who most needed it. So can we give the gift of our presence to people who most need it? Maybe it could even be your grandmother who is a bit lonely, or somebody else who has no friends. Like, let's put aside our mobile phones or whatever the thing is, games, our, our agendas, and then see if we could be really, really present. I want to end uh, this this week. I, I, um, I read a book that was recommended to me. I would recommend it. It's not child-safe, so um, I'm going to say the name really quickly, and you can Google it. Um, it's, it's called Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, yeah, it's definitely not kid-friendly. Um, but it's so powerful uh, so she uh, was a woman who tells a story of her own um, uh, abuse. So she was raped, right? But she ends her book, which is why I think it's so powerful. Because she becomes the voice and a champion for standing up for the oppressed and the poor people who don't have voices. But she ends a book. And I just literally read this like this week. And this is, the, this is the, that's my Mickey Mouse cup at the top. And that's my Kindle over there. And this is the last sentence of her book. And it goes to girls everywhere, I am with you. Thank you. Non Christian. Why would she end her book like that? And then she gets like millions and millions of people who write, of, of abuse victims that write to her and go, Thank you for your book. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you that you are with us. And thank, oh my goodness. How powerful is it? Two girls everywhere. And I think you have to have that kind of a view. That when God came, he went not just to the little girls everywhere, but for the orphans everywhere, for the poor everywhere, to the, to the, to the aging guy who has no friends or the person who's struggling with an illness, or the person who's, who's had a rough in life, to the little children everywhere I am with you. In fact, this is how the book of Matthew ends. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. With you is so powerful. It is one of the most classic elements of the Christmas story that God himself would be with us. And our challenge as his people is to do the same. Father, thank you so much for your word and for who you are. I pray, Lord God, that you would convict us deeply as a church, as people, as families that we would prioritize and that we would think about who we are with this Christmas and that we would um, make space for the lost, make space for people who can't repay us, that we would be generous in our gifts, that we would uh, reflect who Jesus was. Um, Change us from the inside out, Lord. We thank you that you are a good God not like any of the other gods that are out there, but that you are so worthy of praise, so great, because no matter how great you are, you've still loved us enough to send your amazing, wonderful son as a baby in a manger to live a life just like ours and then to die for our sins. I pray, Lord, that this Christmas you would help us to reflect you, to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, um, so there's no food.